and and whatever it is God is making of us, it'll be good. I'm excited. I'm excited about the move, and I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, my name is Elmer Ten. For those of you who do not know me, uh, so I'm a part of this church. I help out in various capacities, and I'm also a missionary to the University of Manitoba. But this morning, I am uh, quasi Rob Belfour, somewhat. No, I'll try to be me. Uh, but I want to, you know, I was asked to, I was asked to preach a couple of days ago because Rob was not feeling well. <laughs> and uh, and I, I said yes. This would not happen 30 years ago. <laughs> when I first started preaching, uh, I would take two... Well, first, you need to let me know a month or two in advance, and then I'll, I'll take two solid weeks to prep. And uh, what this tells me as I look back is that, hey, I'm growing. God's been working in my life, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Um, I was the shyest quietest kid you can imagine and even even in a group of perhaps four people or so I, I'd be scared to speak out okay uh, I was literally the quietest kid you had ever imagined um, socially challenged <laughs> very socially challenged and so God called me to preaching and teaching and other stuff where I actually have to open my mouth and speak. And it's been, it's been quite a journey. Uh, see, I was so broken and so hurting inside. And I really didn't believe I had anything to give. And, and it took, you know, I, I came to, and, and the journey started when I was 17. But, but I remember being 20 and, and thinking, I need to break out of this. I mean, I, I had no idea how conversations worked. Sitting in Bible College cafeteria, they're talking away. I have no idea how to do this stuff because I was so incredibly shy and so incredibly quiet. And and I started praying, God, change me, change me, change me. I I want to break out of this. And it's been years and decades on this journey. And I look back and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God has brought me along and and you know what and i'm sure you identify with this you you go a, a few days weeks month uh you don't see the change do you not right away but you look back over the years and you can see how god is growing you and changing you how many of you can testify to that that, that as you look back through the years you've seen god help you push through major obstacles in your life, right? Because he's that kind of a God. He's a miracle-working God. And so uh, we're in this process, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is the power for change in our lives.
our growth, our transformation is actually a foretaste of the resurrection. Do you know that when, when Jesus comes back and he raises you from the dead, whether you're alive or not at the moment, he raises you from the dead and makes you fully alive, you will be totally changed, totally transformed. You'll become a new creation. We're just getting little whiffs of what's to come. Little tastes. That's all this is. And it's good. It's good. And so I, I want us to, before we, we get into the scriptures, um, let's pray and let's, let's invite the Lord to, to come and join us in this time. Lord Jesus, uh, we give to you our following time in the Word. We know that you love Calvary Church. We know that you love each of us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you. And we ask that you would speak. And that you would teach us to listen well. Teach us, Lord, to hear well. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you would scrap and, and strip away everything this morning that, uh, that is not from you. And, and Lord, that it would be your Holy Spirit speaking and not me. Lord, will you bless your word? And will you glorify yourself? In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want us to go to Philippians chapter 3, or we'll start there. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, and Paul is giving a bit of his testimony. And he comes to verse 10. He's, he's talking about his past, what he's left behind. And then he's, he's looking at what he's become in Christ and what his new ambition is. And he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul lived as a Pharisee, and their hope was in the resurrection from the dead. The Jews, at least those who read and believed their Bibles, they, their hope was on the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul is looking forward to this, but, but he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him now. And I want to know that power now. I want to borrow from tomorrow. I want to borrow from the hope that we have and see it happening in my life today. The power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ in me today. That was his hope and his ambition. That was how he wanted to live. Isn't that how you'd want to live? I want to, I want to share a little bit about the resurrection this morning. And I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uh, spends an entire chapter on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and 
our future resurrection. I, I'm not going to work through the entire text, but uh, I do want to start here. And he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. For if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Notice, this gospel that he preached, he says, he says stand in it, stay in it. And, and you remember Jesus, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. I know you all read different translations and you're not quite sure exactly what the words are that I'm looking for. Abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear fruit. Okay? If you stay connected to the vine and allow the source, allow the life to flow through you, you bear fruit. It will happen. Any healthy fruit tree will bear fruit. Any healthy grapevine will bear fruit. You cut off the branch, it does not bear fruit. We need to stay connected. And as we do, you know, growth happens, fruit happens in your life and in my life as we remain in Christ. Coming back to 1 Corinthians 15, as we, as we hold fast to the word. As we hold fast to the word. You know, they, they did a study of some, I forget the number now, about a thousand Christians. Um, just did a surveys and, and, and gathered some information and analyzed them. And, and they concluded that uh, you know, they were wanting to, to know what kind of practices of discipleship, what kind of things do we actually do that help us to grow? You know what number one was? Take a guess. <laughs> Regularly reading the Bible. That simple. Just being in the Word on a regular basis, on a daily basis, submitting yourself to the Word, you're going to grow. You'll grow to be more like Christ. Uh, that was number one. Number two, uh, was fellowship. It was regularly gathering with other Christians. Worship service, Bible study, cell group, whatever it may be. Simply being together with other Christians around Christ. Interesting that as you read Acts 2.42, it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship it works and to the breaking of bread and the prayers we stand in the gospel and fruit happens and notice verse 2 he, he's talking about the gospel 
and he says, uh, in, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. Does that strike you as being a little strange? By which you are being saved? Am I not already saved? Didn't I pray the prayer and ask Jesus into my heart? I mean, that's done, right? I'm saved. I'm sa- we, and we talk in this language. But Paul says, look, you are being saved through the gospel. You are being saved through the word. It hasn't fully happened yet. Not until Jesus comes back. And so there's this process. What are what are you being saved from? What do you need to be saved from? Anybody? The flesh. The flesh. Do we sin? Do you sin? We all do this, right? And we need to be saved from our flesh. This, I'm trying to do this on my own. Going my own way, me without God. I need to be saved from that, don't you? What else do we need to be saved from? God's wrath. God's wrath. God hates sin because it destroys people He loves. And there's a time for there's a time for judgment coming. There's a time for punishment. We're being saved from that. Anything else we need to be saved from? Death. And the death of our bodies, we, we start feeling that a little bit in our, already, don't we? Far in advance. We, we feel the sting of disease. All right. We need to be saved from a lot of things, <laughs> including ourselves. And so, salvation is a process. You are being saved and rescued from sin and death and self and, and the, the, uh, the pain and suffering and the, uh, uh, of living in this world. People sin against us. Things happen that we don't like. Circumstances. We get disappointed. We are in the process. It's not finished until Christ returns. We are being saved. So we stay, we cling to Jesus Christ. As we cling to the gospel, as we stand in it, as we cling to Christ, we are being saved. I, so I, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 16 years old. Um, and I said, you know, being in a Christian home, but I decided I want to follow Jesus. I want this to be real in my life. And God brought people around me, uh, f- friends who loved Jesus. And, and I was introduced to this whole new world of Christian, what you can, friends who actually prayed together who actually read scripture together, who, who talked about Jesus. It was a whole new world to me, but I was eating it up because, because this was so good. And, and yet, um, it, it didn't take long, a few months later, in fact, when uh, some of my f- closest friends fell away. Um, well, first it was like, well, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. 
Have you heard that one before? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I, I, well, okay, so you stop going to church, and then what I've observed is that it really doesn't take very long. Well, it doesn't take very long before they stop believing Jesus and stop following him and then stop believing. Um, it's a natural progression. This was really hard. And, and I prayed. And I prayed for my friends. And I, I cried out to God for them. And, but I decided that I was just going to stay. I'm going to hang on to Jesus for dear life. And I don't care who else is following or not. Can we do this? Can we do this? I mean, God forbid, what if everybody else in the room today decided to to stop following Jesus? What are you going to do? Are you going to follow them? Or are you going to follow Christ? And, And what if... Or, or what if everybody else in the world was taken away, imprisoned, or in, in, in the church? What are you going to do? Will you follow Christ, no matter what other people are doing? We, I stayed, I just, I was clinging to Jesus. I was so, I was just so broken. But you hold on. You just keep holding on, and keep holding on. And I found that gradually you see change. And you see growth. Over the years, we're being transformed. We are being saved. Um, So what does this have to do with the resurrection? Transformation. Your growth and your transformation comes only as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. Yes, your sins are forgiven. You've died with Christ. Um, you've, died, you've died to sin. You're, he died as a sacrifice for you, and your sins are paid for. But what about the resurrection? The resurrection, when Jesus rose from the dead, this is the beginning of the new creation. You are so messed up. (laughs) It takes more than a band-aid. I know it's bad news, but you're so messed up. It takes more than a a cast in a sling. (laughs) Not to mention any names, Steve. (laughs) You need to be totally recreated. And so Jesus took the old self and he nails it to the cross. And he rises from the dead to recreate us as the new humanity. So Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Later he says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He was he, he allowed his love for the world, his natural desires for the world. We all have them. Paul was not immune. He allowed all these things to be crucified 
I know this is hard. Are there things in this world we love? Things that we desire that don't look like Christ. Things that he desires, things that he loves. He says, the world has been crucified to me. And I to Christ. Or sorry, I to the world. Our, lo- our lives are wrapped up in him. Um, I have to admit, this is a hard journey. I've been walking with God, or trying to, for some 35 years. And sometimes I look at how I mess up and I still shake my head. Elmer, how, how do you do this? We still live with our sins. We still live with our weaknesses. We still live with our defects in character. (laughs) But we have hope because we've died with Christ and we've been raised with Christ. And he's coming again. Now... um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. He starts into the gospel. For I delivered to you, as a first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, to all the, all the apostles, last of all to me as one untimely born. The essence of the gospel story, Christ died for our sins, and Christ was raised. And there are many witnesses. Now, There is an apologetic to be found here. Uh, It really happened. It actually happened. I mean, first of all, no credible historian would deny that Jesus of Nazareth lived. No one would deny that he died. Well, perhaps a few might, but not many. But rising from the dead... Uh, And Paul says, look, Jesus rose again and he appeared to to Peter. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to James. He appeared to to more than 500 people at one time. And, and, you know, skeptics uh, often try to explain the resurrection in various different ways. Um, well, he didn't really die. Well, it says here he died and was buried. If you die, if you didn't die and you're buried, well, you'll, you'll soon be dead, right? It, it doesn't take long. And, and three days is plenty of time for that. Well, some say that they didn't really see Jesus. They had a hallucination. 
can you picture 500 people having the same hallucination at the same time? All right, so what kind of, what, what if we all gave them the same drug and gave them the same injection? Would that do it? Would they have the exact same hallucination at the same time? All right. Uh, there, there are some, this is just a little sampling, but there are some pretty strong, uh, pretty strong uh, historical evidences that Christ actually rose from the dead. Uh, in a court of law, if you were trying to prove whether something happened or not, if you uh, wanted to, to establish did so-and-so actually uh, commit the deed, you bring in witnesses. Right? This is how we establish facts of the past. And you question them one by one, independently, and see if their stories matched up. And, and so Paul was saying, look, there are 500 people, more than 500 people who saw him, and most of them are still alive. Go ask them. Uh, we, have, we have good reason to believe that Jesus is actually risen from the dead. And Paul wanted to, to establish this because it is really important that, that we believe that it is true. And he goes on, look, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then we have nothing. If Jesus is not actually alive today, you have nothing. There is no Christian faith. There is no Christian faith. You're just believing in fluff. It's nothing. Christianity is not a religion, not, not a philosophy. It's not a philosophy. It's not just an ethic and a way of life. It's grounded in hard historical fact. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. And because of that, we have hope. Because of that, we have hope. And so... You know, I, I was I was brought up, um, taught a lot about the cross, or somewhat about the cross, um, and the gospel was about the cross. Jesus died for your sins, right? You know that I I went for many many years, not really knowing what the resurrection was all about. Why do we preach that? the cross and the resurrection without the resurrection we have no gospel Jesus rose from the dead to make a way for us to be raised and later in the chapter he starts talking about the change that happens at the resurrection you're given a new body a glorified, resurrected body, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In verse 51, you shall not, you only die for, for a moment, for a brief moment compared to, to eternity. You will be changed, transformed, raised in glory, victorious from death because Jesus won the victory from death. This is our future hope, made real today in our present experiences in the Spirit. And so, I've, I've, 
I've started to make a practice of remembering, reminding myself, this is the reality that I live in. Christ is risen from the dead and I'm joined to him. Christ is risen from the dead and I'm one of his. Christ is risen from the dead and I will be raised too. I do not fear death because he is risen from the dead. And if I could somehow press this truth into my heart, I, I should not be fearing suffering because Christ is risen from the dead. There is nothing in this world that can defeat you because Jesus is risen from the dead. And so how do we live? How do I, how do I deal with all these doubts? How do I deal with all these fears? How do I deal with, with the, the, the aches and pains, both physically and emotionally? How do I deal with the sin that, that, that uh, crops up here? And, and, and we live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You live in the power of his resurrection, which is now installed into your heart and into your life through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And we need to walk this out daily. Daily. You're running on his power. And you have a very short battery life. How long does yours last? We need to stay plugged in. You were made to run on 100% charge. Do you know that? Stay connected. Stay plugged in. I cling to Jesus. And I cling to Jesus for dear life. And... When I sin, I cling to Jesus. Don't run away from him. Cling to Jesus. And when, when others sin against you, you cling to Jesus. Because he is your life. And, and when, when, you, when your weaknesses show up, when, you're, you, when you mess up here and there, you cling to Jesus. To the power of his resurrection, we rely. We lean on him. Every day. This is the Christian life. We live day by day. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. We cling to Jesus Christ. Trusting in the power of his resurrection that lives in us. That's the only power we have to live this. It's the only one. So let's let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, and musicians can come up if you like to lead us another song. But Lord Jesus, you know, you know the weaknesses of our flesh, of who we are without you. You know us so well. 
you know each one here you know their afflictions you know their brokenness you know your, their sins you know their weakness and yet you love us and you not only love us but you have invested your Holy Spirit into our lives the power that raised you from the dead so Jesus today we surrender to you and we give to you our weaknesses and our brokenness and our doubts and our failures and we say Lord that our hope is in you and our hope is in the resurrection from the dead thank you Lord for that assurance thank you for the assurance of victory and thank you for your power that is alive in us every single day. You are our only hope. And thank you, Lord, for the joy that we can have in you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each one here with faith and with confidence to live in the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.